you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast has trouble booking the tiny box. Welcome to (laughs) another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes. Yes, tiny box Colleen Wolf. Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys and girls? Hey, Dan. There's something about yeah the the moniker Tiny Box, which is made even more gross by calling it the Tiny Box. (laughs) I don't know know why you'd say it is gross. Well, just it It was a simple. You you guys have a hard time booking tiny boxes. Very rich here. (laughs) It is. And what did you just say? It was a simple autocorrect fail on a text from Colleen once upon a time. And anybody else that wants to read into it. Autocorrect from what? Uh, Connie Fox. Connie yep. Fox, mm-hmm. your nickname. which Autocorrected into Tiny Box. That's how it was born. <laughs> and anyone else that wants to take it in a different direction, that's on you and whatever's going on upstairs. Somebody at the draft was like, hey, Tiny Box. Like, What's up? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Not that this would ever happen to you, but if you ever put on an extraordinary, extraordinary amount of weight, people could call you the large box. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, large box. Not, not so tiny box. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Hey, refrigerator box. <laughs> Let's talk more about boxes. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Hey, welcome back, Colleen. <laughs> hey, it's so great to be back. What is up? What is happening? It feels like Friday. It does feel like Friday. Yeah. You know why? This whole week has a nice kind of exhale to it after really what, and we talk about it on the show, from the end of July through the draft is really our quote unquote season. Uh, it doesn't end at Super Bowl. It ends really after the draft and we still do a lot of work uh, leading through the summer, but there is an exhale. It's a beautiful thing. I've, I've enjoyed, we were just Connie and we were just talking like how much nicer the schedule is mm-hmm. at this time of year, especially if you compared it to the schedule four or five years ago when uh, Connie was showing up to NFL now at seven o'clock in the morning, every single day and putting on makeup, whether she was going to be on TV or not and sitting there for nine straight hours with her, with her buddy, Mark Istuk, which will take the chance to uh, say happy trails to yes. an NFL network. Great. Who's moving on to uh, better things in morning TV in Dallas. Mark Istuk, a, a Texas son returning home. Uh, he announced today on all social media platforms we love mark uh great guy was the original like co-anchor yeah the, it was me deceased and him. nfl now i know He is also the center fielder of the first shield championship winner in 2016 <laughs> right. he played a great center field he's on the all-time team for the shield oh for sure and one of the all-time great guys in this building i think he is and uh, he's just a great dude so we're very happy for him as he returns to texas and takes a tv job that sounds perfect for him. So, yes, happy trails, Mark Iztook. Uh, today is uh, part two of our big week around the NFC in 48 minutes. And I want to, before we get into it, because we like to kind of get right into it here, um, I did get some um, feedback, negative feedback, critical oh. feedback, I'll, I'll call it, about our sound drop system for this, that it was a little abrasive. Uh, for instance, at the end of the three minutes, you would hear this sound, an air horn, maybe a little bit aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the robotic voice hearing it over and over again, some people got on their radar. And, you know, we're here to help. So Erica and I worked this morning for some, some more soothing I'm type so sounds. I'm so excited about this. I thought it'd be good. Um, that will, for the, for the listeners that really struggled, and, and I, I can't even imagine how much the free podcast of good football content how much you struggled through last show. We're going to help you out. Are they all right? I don't know, but I'm hoping if they're still alive, if the ears are still functional, mm-hmm. these new sounds will be more soothing. I'm a little worried about them. Mm-hmm. 
I could, t- yeah, I should have known this was on Dan's radar. I could tell from a response on Twitter. I'm hoping for like a lullaby. A single here. response is all. It's <laughs> like one guy. <laughs> all like- these people were all over me about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we're gonna go through. Um, uh, a- we did the AFC with Patrick Claibon on Tuesday. We went three minutes each with every team in the AFC, just catching up with the team as they're. Team building um, has gone through free agency, and of course now the draft, where the teams are now. Now we're going to do it with all the NFC teams. Colleen sitting in the Mark Sessler chair. Mark's still on vacation. Connie, how you feeling right now as we dig in? I don't think you've joined us for an around the uh, NFL you're right. 48 minutes and, yet. And I'm really glad that I didn't prepare for all of the AFC teams. Which you almost which did. Almost <laughs> which would have really been on the nose for me. That would have been awesome. <laughs> all right, so here we go, Connie. I am about to throw it to you to kick off the NFC East. And we're going to start with your favorite team. So here we go. I'm nervous. Around the NFC in 48 minutes starts now. All right. So Philly said goodbye to Nick Foles. And now there's just a giant statue of him in Philadelphia commemorating the Super Bowl and everything he did for the city. No pressure, Carson Wentz. Uh, In free agency, Howie Roseman brought back Deshaun Jackson. He traded for Jordan Howard. And then at the draft, they spent three draft picks on offense there, their first three on offense. I loved how they leapfrogged the Texans to get Andre Dillard, who will eventually replace Jason Peters. Um, Then they picked up Miles Sanders, the running back, who backed up Saquon Barkley at Penn State for his first two seasons. So he has under 300 total carries. Mm. I like that. He's got some fresh legs, and he catches passes. Sounds like someone's optimistic. Stop, stop, stop. But that is something that the Eagles really needed because Jordan Howard, that's not really his forte. They needed an every down back. So I kind of like that situation. They always have a ton of running backs there by committee. Um, And then they got jump ball specialist, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Jump man. So all of these moves tell me one thing. What? Super Bowl? My takeaway, Howie Roseman is trying to take the pressure off Carson Wentz. The physical pressure of him performing and elevating the, the mental the pressure around him and that mental pressure now that mm. Foles is gone, just being the dude that can do it. I agree that their depth on offense, and you could see it in this draft, is incredible. And I don't know if it's just to take pressure off Carson Wentz. I think it's a belief that you win with offense in the NFL, that they want their offense. More than anything, I think they want their offense to be a top five offense every year and give Doug Peterson and Wentz as many matchup options as possible. And that's what I'd be excited about as an Eagles fan with the depth that running back and receiver and tight end that just depending on the play and the, and the opponent and the matchup and the down, it's like they can find some sort of matchup to take advantage of. I feel like the trade up for Andre Dillard is basically the microcosm of the Howie Roseman second era mm-hmm. that like, he can do no wrong, first of all. That's the one-minute mark. Oh, okay. I was, <laughs> like, soothing. was that a harp? A liar? I was like, I thought that was some you about to wax poetic about Howie Roseman. Just a gentle reminder. <laughs> Thank you for that. Writing. I feel like I'm in a douche commercial. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, wow. I love the Eagles as a, a bounce-back uh, candidate this season. Well, they didn't have to bounce back. They made it to the second round of the playoffs. But bounce back and getting that division back – um, for all the reasons you pointed out and my belief that Carson Wentz has a big comeback season ahead of him. Yeah, on paper, it seems like everything is lined up for them. Now, I am concerned a little bit at safety. Safety and linebacker. After, lo- after losing Jordan Hicks, I felt like Who's they kind of needed to do something there. I got to look at their depth chart right now because I don't know it's who like they Paul have. Paul Warlow? Yeah, I think it is Warlow there. LJ Fort? I don't know. They'll probably play two linebackers a lot with Nigel Bradham and Grugier. You're going to have a weakness... That's a good spot to be. That, so is that the final 10 seconds? Does that mean it's over? That's it when the music ends. It's more like the, the heart. Yeah, they have Nigel Rodgers I mean, and yeah, Ford. I mean, yeah. I hope this one person who complained is happy because I enjoyed the clarity <laughs> the of the harp. previous one. They'll figure it out. Wes, you're up. The Dallas Cowboys. You know, Al Davis used to say, when you draft, go for strength on strength. And that's what the Cowboys are doing. Defensive line, front seven, get Rob Marinelli, Rob Marinelli some more horses. The offensive line, you're getting Travis Frederick back. Mm-hmm. At least that's the word. And then you add Connor McGovern to this group. They're bolstering both lines, and I feel like we haven't given enough respect to the Cowboys being a better team now than they were when they closed out the season in incredible fashion over the final two months. This is one of the best teams in the NFL. 
Hmm. Whoa, I like Wes. That. I One of the best teams you in ever the NFL? Uh, they were for uh, November, December, and there's no reason to believe that just because it's May, they're not going to Okay, be- and, and you know what? Who agrees with you? Jerry Jones. He said today, again, ratcheting up the expectations for Jason Garrett, there's no reason to believe we're not better now than we were. He's absolutely right. Okay, I guess I'm asking why, other than Travis Frederick, why have their additions been better than league average? If anything, that's kind of it. Right? Well, no, they got Connor McGovern, which gives you more right, but are depth they, is and the, versatility. You think their draft is better than the average team's draft? I mean, no, just I'm saying they didn't compared have a to what they've lost, a lot of teams that had good drafts also lost players. And the Cowboys lost Cole Beasley. Okay. okay. Randall Cobb's about the same. Maybe he's he could be better. He could be worse. Okay. Um, David Irving didn't do anything for the Cowboys last year, so who cares about losing him? Randy Gregory, but then you get Robert Quinn, Kerry Hyder, Tristan Hill in the second round who – I've heard several analysts say this was the steal of the draft, Tristan Hill. Yeah, there was a lot of people that were kind of angry about that, thinking that it was kind of a reach. But he was really good in his first season at uh, UCF, and then he sort of fell out of favor with the new coaching staff when they came in. But I, So I think you're right. I think he was a steal. And it's interesting, Wes. This was a playoff team last year. They're having a nice offseason. Usually when those two things come together, people are going nuts about the Cowboys, and that's all you're hearing about. But they seem to be a little bit under the radar. People don't trust Dak Prescott. Well, I I think a a team that struggled on offense but was dominant Kellen Moore is the new offensive coordinator. It's something to worry about because you want your offense to be better than – they were below average on offense a year ago. They only outscored their opponents by 15 points over the course of the season, so they won a lot of close – A a big part of that is that their offensive line went from being absolutely dominant to slightly above average. Yeah, and and Frederick, you you know, he's coming back from a disease that not many NFL players have experienced – or you know anyone with coming back, so we just don't know. But hope if he does come back like he was, that's that's a major major addition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were ranked 22nd in points per game last year. That's got to improve. I know Scott Linehan gone, and with Kellen Moore, I can't with this music. <laughs> with Kellen Moore in there now, I wonder how things will change. And you look at what was essentially their first round pick with Amari Cooper, how they started three and four, and then they ended the season seven and two. Having won uh, two back-to-back seasons with double-digit wins since Barry Switzer. Respect the harp, Greg. <laughs> That's RTH. what they say. Respect <laughs> the harp. Say, yeah. <laughs> and you did. Has the harp ever been respected? It's this is the it's first time. Now. Like uh, 300 BC, maybe. Oh. How about Joanna Newsom? A lot of respect. I love Joanna Newsom. Okay. A lot of respect. All right, here we go. The New York Giants. Um... I have one kind of overarching question. Now what? Yeah. We did a segment once called Now What, right? Or yeah. Something like that. We've done every combination <laughs> yeah. of words at this point. It's time to shut it down. Um, <laughs> now what? So you uh, forget about it. Daniel Jones, people killing the Giants or t- t- taking him at six, and it was a reach, and it probably was. Perhaps it was. Uh, but he's in the building, and that's it. And, and now the question is, what are you going to do with him? Because here's the thing. Dave Gettleman can sit and he needs to stop giving press conferences. By the yeah, way, stop running this guy up to the podium. Um, but I think it's great. Dave, please continue. Dave Gettleman can say uh, we might follow the Packers plan that they did with Aaron Rodgers and and sit Jones three years. But you know what the difference was? Well, there's a lot of differences, but one of them was <laughs> yeah. that Brett Favre was the quarterback and Brett Favre still had um, a lot of promise and the ability to lead a team to a Super Bowl. And that's why he kept that job. Um Eli Manning is a guy on the way out. No one will argue that. Even I won't argue Dave that. Dave Gettleman will. And the rest of the roster is barren, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So the chances the Giants have a nice season this year or in contention by, say, Halloween, it's far-fetched. Let's just be honest. So if the Giants are 3-7 and seven by November – I mean, what is the you're really oh, so you're going to keep him on the bench another two and a half years? No, you're there's, the fans are going to be calling for it. Daniel Jones is going to have to play. So just get your plan together, Giants. Figure out what the actual plan is. And maybe Dave Gettleman's not in charge when it's time to actually enact the plan uh, in a year from now. But I feel like Daniel Jones is going to get a lot of snaps this year. So just stop telling people mm. that this is a totally different situation or it's a similar situation to the Packers because it's not. Right. If you didn't need a quarterback, why did you reach for one with the sixth pick in the draft instead of getting a pass rusher? Make up your mind, firm up your message, and by the way, over under for Daniel Jones starting a game Halloween. Halloween. Wow. I mean, well, because they're on a bad team, and bad teams change quarterbacks. They're, they're a bad team because their defense is bad. Also because their offense is terrible. 
you know, their offense a year ago, and this is what Gettleman's been trying to say, was what, okay. Because they had like a six-week – they had a six-week stretch I'm just where saying, they were like, right. they were a better offense than the Cowboys. But we, no, I they mean, weren't. We, yes, we, they were. We love, Over the course of the season, we love no that way the, they were. The Browns are great on offense in the second half. The Giants produced the, – they put up numbers and scored points in the second half. Their offensive line got better. And as I've been saying on the show, there are skill players on this offense and Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate and Evan Ingram – and that they could potentially score points with a quarterback that can get the job done, but their defense is a mess. I think it's the best situation Eli's been in, just in terms of the talent around him, uh, in a while. Yeah, I mean, even without like Odell. losing Odell is is a good situation. Losing it, Odell and then not getting anybody on offense in return: Jabril Peppers, Dexter Lawrence, and then O'Shane Zimenez. Zimenez, Zimenez. At, uh, you got it's it. all defensive players. Like. I'm I'm really excited for the road game against the Patriots on a short week for them. That's that is the game that I have circled on my calendar. Interesting. I like mm. that. Let's move on. The Washington Redskins. She circled it. Everybody. Yeah. Everyone, you know, including me, kind of looked at the Redskins as well. If you're gonna you know, try to find a team that's only gonna win three, four, five games in the NFC this year, you know, it's probably Washington and Arizona or maybe the Giants are, are the ones that stick out. But after the draft and you look at this roster, uh, especially on defense, where in the front 70 of Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, who've been good draft picks, you get in Montez Sweat, a, a nice pass rusher, a good value. Uh, you like Ryan Kerrigan, Mason Foster. We'll see what Reuben Foster does for them. And some, it's an uneven secondary, but you have Landon Collins and you know Josh Norman still kicking around there. Like, I look at this roster up and back. Like, the offensive line is solid. The, the the passing game is a huge, huge question mark. But I look at this team, and I think if Jay Gruden managed to win between seven and nine games the last four years in a row, I think he can do it again with this roster. I, I think he could be headed right to the middle of the NFL again with, like, a seven-win team. Which I know it doesn't excite Redskins fans, but I, I don't but know. But if you have a rookie quarterback, that's not such a I don't know thing. that they're a, a tire fire right now. They're okay. I expect their defense to be better than they've ever been in the Jay Gruden era and their offense to be worse because they're either going to have a journeyman quarterback or a rookie quarterback. Yeah. I I mean, I love the fact that they didn't move up to get Haskins, that they waited for him, that they had patience, and then they ended up moving up for a defensive player in sweat. But I look at the passing game and and what they have there. Paul Richardson, uh, Terry McLaurin, I mean, that's a guy who is a speed guy. But Josh Doxson, he's had 81 catches and 1,100 yards in three combined seasons. And they Speaking just, of jump ball specialists, what else can that guy do? They – and we're here, Laquan Treadwell, Doxson. Who was the other the, – the triplets that were drafted in that first round? Oh, uh – Is it 0 for 3 for the 50-year option getting picked up? I think you're right. Was it Devontae Parker? Hmm. We got to go back and look. Ricky, can you look that up? 2015 NFL draft, I believe it was. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, but... Didn't uh, mean to sidetrack Yeah, way to go. Uh, They are going to run the ball, though. Um, Especially, look, they got two guys coming off ACLs. I think it's who you're thinking. And Devontae Parker. A lot of bad wide receivers in that draft. Aguilar was the other one that you might be thinking. I don't know. I like the Bryce Love pickup, though. I know uh, Geist didn't really like it that much, but they are going to be able to run the ball, I think. Well, that's the thing. They have Morgan Moses and Brandon Sheriff and Trent Williams. Like, that's a great top three, not in that order, of an offensive line, and you get Geist back, and you have Peterson still sitting around. It's like, I don't know. They could make... Jay Gruden, I think, actually is a pretty good play caller and offensive coach. He if Jordan definitely... Reed can stay healthy, then... He's the best Gruden. Uh... I would take Jay Gruden in a heartbeat over John Gruden. Do I say that every year? Everybody Jordan says, Reed could stay healthy. healthy. <laughs> you know, now it's happening. This is like Oscars. It's the Oscars. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Wait, does this mean it's a one-minute warning or it's over? No, this is it. You missed the one-minute warning. I'm a little unclear on what each sound effect means because every time I I hear one, I think it's over. It adds to the uncertainty of of the NFL season. When you hear that harp, (laughs) when you hear that harp, we move. Now we move to the NFC North starting with the Minnesota Vikings, Colleen Wolf. All right, here we go. So Kirk Cousins, uh, it's no breaking news to anybody. He was completely sabotaged, I thought, by the offensive line last year. He had a lot to do with it, but he was hit 40 times last year. The pass protection was not great. They could not run the ball at all. So they drafted Garrett Bradbury. So then that way they can probably kick out Pat Alfline to guard, and they brought in Josh Sitton. So the interior of their offensive line looks Josh completely Klein, different. Josh correct? Yeah, Josh Klein. So the interior of their line looks completely different. Uh, They had Mike Remmers and Tom Compton there before. But 
the offense was so unbalanced last year. 27th in rushing attempts. Mm. You have Latavius Murray, who's gone. Dalvin Cook hasn't been fully healthy um, in a season yet. He has he's 15 games he's missed in two seasons. He was dealing with the hamstring injury and the ACL. So they did draft a third rounder, Alex Madison, who could actually play a pretty decent role on the offense. So my takeaway here is that Kevin Stefanski's got to figure out a way to get the run game off the ground in order for the Vikings to be successful. Well, the best thing Kevin Stefanski has going for him is Gary Kubiak, who was brought in basically above him to yep. be their offensive consultant. And he's been able to run everywhere he's gone with that zone blocking mm. scheme. I think Kubiak is one of the biggest pickups of the offseason. Well, yeah. And Rick the, Dennison came with Vansky him. might look at it a little different, that he's kind of a, a shadow offensive coordinator without a lot of juice that it might have his job taken from him from Gary Kubiak. Because by all accounts, it seems like Gary Kubiak has about as much control as any court, as any coordinator in the league. He's not even technically a coordinator, but he's making personnel moves. But Stefanski didn't even really coaches. have a chance last year. I mean, right. he had just a few games, half a season or whatever, uh, when he was finally in that role. So well, to your it's point, though, they, they took their – I think Cousins was a big winner and Stefanski and everyone on that offense that their first three picks uh, are on offense and that it add, Irv Smith, the tight end, adds another dimension. They have not gotten rid of Kyle Rudolph. And it's just – this roster is really – you know, if the line is okay, this roster is really good. But they're still going to have the same tackles as last year. Mm-hmm. Riley Rife and Brian O'Neill. Well, O'Neill, I think, ascended to the starting job about halfway through the year. And maybe he'll be better in his second year, but I'm not convinced the offensive line just because Garrett Bradbury looks like a good player is going to be Right. Really You're good. hoping the coaching and, and cousins can improve in terms of making the line better. What do you guys think about the Vikings right now? How are you feeling about What's your vibe? I'm back. They should be really good. I'm sort of back They're, in on them now. I feel in. like they took the step back, and then I look at the team, and I'm like, this team's ready to go you know, and did, be one of the big-time contenders. The one positive of last year, which was highly disappointing for Vikings fans who thought Cousins was going to be the final piece, was it does take a little bit of, of the heat off them and this idea that it's Super Bowl or bust. And they can just get back to it. Mm-hmm. He's got to play better in big moment, moments. I've defended him, but he's got to play better with seasons on the line and games on the line. Wait, is this the, the minute or the 10 second? <laughs> you, see, listen. I the, thought I heard something the before. Minute, the minute marker is so gentle, you guys are missing it. See, that, that's, that's, it. that's the minute marker? No, no that's 10 oh. seconds. <laughs> I haven't heard music like this since Easter sunrise, man. You know, I got to say, guys, Easter it's not sunrise. that complicated. No, it's, but it's kind of fun. Erica, behind the glass. Listen, we don't call on Erica to be a statistician too often, but in this spot, the 2016 NFL draft, right? There were three wide receivers taken in a row. Who were they? Yeah, from my memory, I want to <laughs> say the Houston Texans, I think, took Will Fuller. Okay. There it is. At and his 20- option was picked up. At 22, I believe the Washington Redskins <laughs> took Josh Dotson. Oh, you got that, yeah. And I want to say 23 was Minnesota Vikings with Laquan Treadwell. Excellent work. Very, Very well diligent. That's Such all correct. A wonderful don't, memory. Don't quote me on that, though. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Very well. Very well. Very well done. And yes, uh, only one fifth-year option picked up of those three. All right. Here we go. Moving on to the Detroit Lions. Chris Wessling, get us going. I don't have like a cottage industry on annual off-season articles like Greg does. Right. But one of my few is... Greg just tossed up his hand. <laughs> like, just flicked his you wrist. You guys have turned it in this weird negative storyline. <laughs> no, that's in your head. Um, no, you have I, a stable I'm a little of jealous of, of your storehouse. It's a, yeah, a stable of boys, remember we had. Mm-hmm. Right. Stable of columns. Well, okay. one that I do have is top 10 offenses, which I write after the draft. And about 16 teams make my final cut. And the Detroit Lions were the 16th team. Mm. I actually considered them, with Marvin Jones coming back healthy, Carrion Johnson coming back healthy, you add Amendola, TJ Hawkinson, Jesse James, and your offensive line is healthy. It was not healthy at the end of last year. To me, the biggest question mark is, is the style of play. That Cooter had this style where he had Matthew Stafford getting rid of the ball fast. And then Matt Patricia comes in. They change their passing offense. And then Stafford is sitting back there again. There's not much rhythm to their passing game. And to me, that was their biggest issue outside of the injuries last year. Well, and they have a new offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel, who's had you know a long track record in the NFL, uh, most famously with the Seahawks. 
And it kind of remains to be seen what kind of offense they want to run. I always was a little torn because Stafford played his best under Cooter, and yet it the offense they ran didn't really show off what he's best at, which is kind of the deep outs and the, and the deep passes. Yeah, I, I wonder every year with the Lions, is this going to be the year that they can run the ball? Is this going to be the year that they can balance out the offense so it isn't all on Matt Stafford? Since Barry Sanders retired. It's like it's just a recurring thing. And with Daryl Bevel, he's led some some top rushing attacks in the past. He's had Marshawn Lynch uh, and Adrian Peterson. So you just wonder if he has the adequate pieces to do it now. Stafford came into the league, I believe, in 2009. Couldn't stay healthy. Just for the, ask Ricky. She'll know. Oh, she knew. <laughs> yep. Couldn't stay on the field the first couple of years and has turned into an Iron Man since. Um, and you get the you get the feeling there's mounting pressure around him and in that city at the quarterback position. This is another team, even though they're not a Super Bowl contender, uh, that you you get the feeling that there's a lot of a lot riding on what happens this year, yeah. especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, there's some really good secondaries too in that division. But I loved the pickup of T.J. Hawkinson. He's a really good blocker, and he can catch too. So he's a perfect combo tight end for them. They, they it shows have, some organizational onions too, like because they whiff. Well, they didn't whiff on Eric Ebron because he turned out to be a big time player in the oh, they right system. Well, he turned into a star, Different but that's regime, not with though. them. Different regime. Um, not teams don't typically take a uh, tight end top ten. They do it twice in six years. But the the two Iowa tight ends, they both went high, and they they both they're very much like George Kittle. I mean, it's just like the Iowa tight end thing. Oh, yeah. Let's extend 10 seconds, Greg. I'm sorry. I stepped on Why? a point Why? We shouldn't extend. No, forget it. We okay. can talk about the Lions defense some other day. Okay, here we go. Chicago Bears, the old Zeuser. We'll dig in on the Bears. And, uh, you know, this to me, this draft is like, what happens when the bill comes due? The Khalil Mack trade, um, which um, was a great trade. It looks like a great trade. It looked like a great trade last, last summer. It still looks like it. Um, because not only is he a Hall of Fame talent, but he performed like one in, in year one. But now they have a reverse Gruden situation where this draft, you know, will, it remains to be seen, but they didn't pick till the third round. They get David Montgomery, 73rd overall, a running back. Uh, their fourth round pick is a Georgia wide receiver, Riley Ridley, which I didn't, I didn't see a ton of buzz around him as a, a, a big prospect in a draft that didn't have a lot of buzz at the wide res, uh, receiver position, period. So People expected him together. to go in the second round. Well, he didn't. And Calvin's bro. So I guess my point being is, listen, that's the way it is. You, you trade draft assets to get players. You're going to eat it on the, on the draft side potentially. So if this is a draft class that doesn't give them much, and we'll find out, but it's – you know, working against you when you don't have the first two picks. Um, is the roster strong enough not to have a big offseason haul because they didn't make a lot of moves in free agency either? So the Bears essentially are telling us, we like this team. We're making, you know, we're making minor moves, uh, but we believe it's ready to take the next step. Um, we'll see how it plays out. But that's how you read this offseason, I think. I, I totally agree. And they went into the offseason knowing that I believe they had 20 or 21 of their 22 starters under contract for the next year. And and that's great. It's continuity. It's rare in the NFL. I'm always a little wary about a team that A, is bringing back the same crew and expecting it to stay at the same level, especially mm-hmm. when you lose Vic Fangio. And then B, the biggest question on the team is your quarterback, which is absolutely the case for me in, in Chicago. I think their biggest loss was losing Vic Fangio. Now they have wow, Chuck Pagano sure. there. And yeah, they have some really talented guys on the defense, but I wonder if that if we're going to see a fall off at all. I see this team totally different than you guys do in their offseason. If their offense isn't much better, it's going to be a disappointment when you add Cordero Patterson, David Montgomery, and Riley Ridley, and even Mike Davis, who – is okay, but it's. I thought Matt Nagy explained it well. The reason why, when he talks about Jordan Howard not fitting his offense, and we heard that for the past 14 months, Jordan Howard doesn't fit his offense, it's about matchups. And when you evaluate players as a coach, I think, it's not just what was the production, it's what does this player allow me to do, allow my quarterback to do. Jordan Howard did not allow him to play matchups. And now with David Montgomery, who can play in the passing game, with Cordero Patterson, who can play in the running or the passing game, with Riley Ridley and even a guy like Marvin Hall, who they got from the Falcons, who runs a 4-3 something, he can put him out for four or five routes a game and play matchups. I think this allows Matt Nagy to do so many more different things that he wanted to do. Yeah, if I mean, but it's throwing Nagy's darts with these mid-round picks. If they if these guys can play at this level, that's all. 
And they have a ridiculous. And Cordell Patterson, a fantastic Respect special the teams guy. Cordell Patterson was like, he was like, I thought he personified last year's Patriots. They got good when they started featuring. Cupid is getting pissed. Respect the harp. Sons of the harpy. <laughs> All right. Greg, hit us up, baby. The Green Bay Packers, we amazingly have been in the news for defense, and we've talked about their defense so much and how much Mike Pettin's loaded that now that we got past the draft, I feel comfortable enough to say, I think this is, this is the worst supporting cast Aaron Rodgers has mm-hmm. had. Uh, in a long time, maybe in his career, if you look at the wide receiver depth and Jimmy Graham's not getting me excited at tight end and the offensive lines had some great moments the last few years and Bakhtiari's maybe the best left tackle in the league. But after that, I'm not that excited right now about the line either. So it's really all on Rodgers and Matt LaFleur and Hackett. And that should that could be plenty. I mean, the, the Tom Brady goes into seasons with, with less than this, and they do great. Maybe that's plenty. But I do think just in terms of raw talent around them, this is about as barren as it's been for Rodgers in the last five to ten years. I think my biggest question with the Packers is how is everybody going to mesh? How is Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur going to get along? How are all of these pieces that they've added on defense? It's a lot of new pieces for Mike Pettin. How do they all come into play? They brought in Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. They added Adrian Amos. So you look at all of these different pieces. Rashawn Gary, they added in the draft. Darnell Savage. Like, I just wonder how all of them are going to fit together. And like you said, the pass catchers, his Aaron Rodgers' only dude there is Devontae Adams. He really didn't show any real chemistry with any of those w- rookie receivers last season. I wrote about this in the mailbag, which went up live on NFL.com slash Hansis. Uh, a Packers fan was worried about the offense. And I guess when you take a step back, what did the Packers do this offseason – I think, yes, they invested heavily in the defense, but I think it was also an endorsement of both Rodgers and a new brain trust and and new thinking on offense uh, with a young head coach um, in Matt LaFleur. And this idea, we believe in these guys, these young guys, and we believe Rodgers in the last two years sucked, but we believe that he's going to put it together. And if if Rodgers can do that and LaFleur can do that, one Mm. minute, then... Then the defense gets better. All of a sudden, you're back in the playoffs. It's almost like, and and I know they would never do this, but it's almost like the front office, and maybe even Rodgers too, it's like they're trying to prove, hey, we're going to win with Mike McCarthy's players. We're going to show you that Mike McCarthy was the problem by basically bringing back the same offense and being way better. I think there's something to that. They know Valdez Scantley can play. He had like 100-yard games in three of his first four or five Pretty starts. impressive for a rookie. Allison's had – like, I don't they think – They like Geronimo Allison. Even though I'm saying it's the, the, the least that Rodgers has had around him in the last decade, I still don't think it's that bad. Like, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's, bo- like, way below league average or anything. I just really like Equinemia St. Brown's name, too. Sexy. Strong, strong name. I have one less. Uh, it's like the harp of names. <laughs> it is. Um, Geronimo Allison, Equinemius, Equinemia St. Brown, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. 55 letters total. Wow. Just counted that up. <laughs> That's one. what you've been doing. <laughs> yep. So I wasn't totally plugged into that last minute. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move to the NFC South. Um, Connie Fox. Okay. Start it off with the Bucks here. So She'll never be the enormous box. <laughs> I really hope not. Okay, here we go. Go ahead. So it was a defensive-heavy draft for them. Uh, their defense ranked 27th last year. Now they have Todd Bowles. They have a lot of new pieces there, a lot of new uh, coaches with – uh, Bruce Arians. But Todd Bowles is going to bring in some more kind of 3-4 looks. They drafted Devin White, who I love. They got him with the fifth overall pick. He replaces another fellow LSU alum in Quan Alexander at linebacker. They got a pair of corners um, and a safety. So my biggest takeaway for the Bucks is can Bruce Arians save this ship? I have a lot of questions, actually. Can, ship, can he save it. the ship? Uh-huh. And will he get more out of Jameis Winston and will he send Gerald McCoy away I feel like there's a lot of questions just surrounding this team in general I think he will I don't know if he'll save the ship but I think he'll get more out of Jameis Winston if he can't then I don't know who can to me if you look at Arians' track record who he succeeded with in the NFL and the quarterbacks like 
Winston could not have handpicked a better guy to help his career out. So for the for the people out there like me who who still believes Winston can have a good NFL career, like Arians is is uh, sent from heaven. That's true. It's not a small thing to lose Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys. Yeah, from an offense that was gangbusters early last year because you had so many options. You had the two tight ends, and then you had four wide receivers, and now you're down to, what, two and a half wide receivers in, in the tight ends? And you still don't have a running back. They love Peyton Barber, but he seems to me more like a try-hard guy than a, than a playmaker. Before O.J. Howard went down with a season-ending injury late in December, he was really um, emerging as a potential stud. Absolutely. Uh, so if you – if you if he continues that trajectory, that could change that entire offense. To yeah. me, he's the closest thing to a Gronk-like complete tight end that there is in the in the league. I don't know if he can get anywhere near that level, but he's that type. I was disappointed that they didn't do anything with the offensive line. I thought that that was a big issue for them. And the right side, yeah. They didn't address it at all in the draft. I do like that we're already getting the articles of like Jameis Winston's really taking control of the huddle again. It's that time of year, baby. (laughs) We're also about a week away from Jameis Winston is displaying a maturity that we just simply haven't seen in this building in the first (laughs) three years. He's grown up a lot. He's made mistakes. But he's learned from them. The the Gerald McCoy thing is hanging over this team that they still might trade him. But if they don't, you know, Bowles has a lot of talent to work with. Between JPP, who had a nice year, McCoy, Vita Vea came on late in the year. Shaq Barrett was a free agent signing who I liked a lot. That The secondary has been among, if not the worst, in the entire NFL for a while. And they've just put so many resources into it, and it's never worked. I can't wait to see who comes back in the best shape of their lives. Like, I'm real excited. Gerald McCoy. For that, yeah. Carl Nassib. Mm -hmm. Keep pounding, Wes. (laughs) I would like to take this opportunity to talk about how different evaluations are in NFL draft rooms. Albert Breer had a story where the Panthers, they drafted Will Greer. Mm -hmm. They had him ranked ahead of Kyler Murray. What? Behind only Locke and Haskins. That's what they say after they take them. The Bengals drafted Finley, who they had ranked behind only the top four players taken and practically even with Locke. I don't believe any of this. I I do believe it because I I think they – like they see different quarterbacks fitting their offenses differently. People want different things in quarterbacks. But to me, like you had Greer rated ahead of Kyler Murray. That is – So you're telling me if for some reason, some bizarre reason – Kyler Murray was on the board when they picked the made the Greer pick. They would have taken Greer over Kyler Murray. Well, I like to me. Maybe it doesn't fit so what they want to do on offense, which also doesn't really make sense. I don't think it's that hard to believe. I think the it's a five foot nine quarterback and nobody's ever succeeded the, as a first round. The five draft Nick like you know industrial complex that we base all of our opinions on who had a good draft, who didn't, just copy like there's very little original thinking in there and everyone is afraid to get too far away whereas I think teams there's some teams that are all over the place especially at different positions like the Bengals might just evaluate quarterbacks a certain way and so do the Panthers I I don't think that's that crazy yeah look at the Seahawks the Seahawks do that every draft you can tell the Seahawks draft board looks like absolutely no one else's draft board they're just doing whatever the hell they want you want your (laughs) scouting department to stand out from the crowd to be bold and to be forward-thinking and unconventional. You don't want somebody who's like, ah, i got to see which way the wind's blowing before we pick. Does taking Will Greer at 100 overall and obviously being in love with his ability and potential, does what does that mean for the quarterback It's going to sit well. It's going to sit real well. Well, I mean, what does it mean for the long-term future potentially of Cam Newton? How much, how much pressure is on him coming off a second shoulder surgery? Yeah, second shoulder surgery in three years. And we saw how they started the season last year, 6-2, and two, and then they ended as a 7-9 and nine team. That his shoulder was a real problem last year. I don't think it means anything. 100 is very deep in the draft. They needed to upgrade their backup. I think smart teams should be drafting quarterbacks. I mean, the Patriots took the current Washington Redskins offensive coordinator higher in the draft uh, while Tom Brady was in his like off of an MVP season. Uh, then, then they took Greer. Do you know who that man is, by the way? Did anyone have any idea? Current offensive coordinator, coordinator of the Redskins, Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell, drafted with like the 85th pick of the draft. No one even remembers this, these got these picks. The Patriots. I think the Panthers looked at Will Greer and said he should have been taken a long time ago. He's still there. We love him, and we need premium insurance for a guy who's had shoulder issues. 
Shoulder, the shoulder is a big time concern. I mean, he's, he's, whole... he's basically throwing ground balls to the sideline by the end of December. Did you see Christian McCaffrey, like the shots of him at uh, yes. OTAs? He looks like a He-Man figure. Jacked. Like legitimately, he looks like Prince Orko? Adam. Orko? No. Not Orko. <laughs> but it's basically just Christian McCaffrey Orko was and such a, a complete waste of space. <laughs> I mean, as a magician and as uh, just in general, as a yeah, member of Eternia, he just had no real purpose. Who is there. who? He's like the Jar Jar Binks it's, of it's before your time and would not have been. Uh, do you know She-Ra? No. OK. All right. You're a little younger than us. All right. Let's move Say on. Say that one more time. Dan. I mean, yeah, you, <laughs> I didn't hear you. I don't think it didn't matter what age you were. You probably weren't watching He-Man. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons. All right. So the Falcons, you know, they. They circled it in red marker and highlighted it. They targeted the offensive line as the biggest weakness of their team. They spent, they've spent this offseason rebuilding the thing. James Cart- uh, Carpenter, come on, Brown, um, Ty Sambralio, uh, all signed in free agency. And then they go to the draft and they take Chris Lindstrom, BC guard at 14, trade back into the first round, take Caleb McGarry uh, at 31. And I get the thinking with a rebuilt offensive line uh, and a new offensive play caller in Dirk Cutter. The hope is that the Falcons could turn back the clock and all of a sudden it's 2016 again. Uh, but the only question I have, and that all makes some sense. I kind of like that. But the only question is when you look at the biggest flaws with the Falcons, maybe they underachieved on offense uh, under Sarkeesian, but their defense just killed them last year and they just haven't put the focus there. Mm. If I'm somebody that is plugged into what's going on in the desert and I want to be somebody that makes money in the desert, I'm pounding the over all year on games that the Falcons are involved in, especially when they're played in that dome. Yeah, but their defense last year was crushed by injuries. They're, they lost both their safeties. That's football. Cardo Allen and Keanu Neal and Deion Jones, their middle linebacker, who's like everything for them. Those three I'm guys pounding that over. missed a total of 38 games combined. Right, so but they, they weren't hurt as much by injuries as the Super Bowl champion Eagles. So I do think that's too much of an excuse. They should have had more of an infrastructure where they don't fall apart. I agree with you, Dan. Like, I think they have a lot of faith in this roster and Dan Quinn, but it hasn't really been borne out with the results on defense. They, I think they looked at that Thanksgiving game against the Saints and said we would be guilty of negligence if we yes. did not improve our offensive line and protect Matt Ryan, who got obliterated. In right. The- it, is, it was hardly a, a, the wrong move to focus on the offensive line. I, just, I guess it's just you can make the case that there maybe could have been a little bit more balance in their plan of attack and, and free agency in the draft. It's, I agree with you. It showed a lot of confidence. It is kind of, kind of a sign of like, hey, we think this roster is Super Bowl ready still. This is our number one problem by far. If we fix this, we like this team. I just feel like they've been chasing 2016 since mm. the end of that season, and they just can't get back to it. But to me, yeah, I get. To me, they were back to it when they lost to the Eagles in that playoff game. It was a different sort of team, but that team was absolutely one of the best four or five teams in the league at that point. They went into L.A. and beat the Rams. Right. People forget about that. And they look at Deion Jones and Keanu Neal and say, those are two of our five best players, and we lost them. I get it. I feel for this team. I'm rooting for the Falcons. You know, I just feel like getting, I don't know. I want this group to get it, get over the hump together. You don't get, no, you don't get it both ways. You don't get to crush the organization with your favorite team for all time. That oh, team, and by the way, the Falcons will never be the same after that night. Adrian and now Claiborne. you can't be like, oh, and I hope things are okay with the Falcons going <laughs> forward because I'm really rooting for them. No, you don't get it both ways, I've been rooting for them since. Adrian Claiborne's back. What a sentimental story. That's not firing anyone up. By the way, um, if you, Connie, if you ever became the enormous box, yes. it would not change. I feel like you're trying to will this to happen. What's going on? <laughs> it here? would not change how I felt about you or anyone else in this room would feel about you. Thanks, guys. I just want to make that clear. Thanks. Greg? I mean, your personality might change. <laughs> she could change, you're saying. Yeah. Physically. Are you telling me I need to like go on a diet or something, Dan? Is that knew, what this is? I knew is? we were going to go. I'm, this is where it was going to well, end up. Well, you keep bringing it back up. I'm <laughs> staying out of it. Are you saying that I'm on my way to becoming an enormous box? You look wonderful. <laughs> no, I'm not. Erica's buried me on this before, too. Um, I'm just going to move on. I'm going to get out of the way. And, and Greg, you're going to talk about the Saints. There, there's not a, a huge reason to believe the Saints won't be one of the best teams in the league. Like, this... I guess the one question I would have with them is, are we just accepting now that their defense is good? Because yes. because for the first time 
you know, they were ready to go win a Super Bowl with the defense being a huge part of that. And with, with a couple breaks, maybe maybe they would have. I guess I've watched them long enough, and maybe Marcus Davenport gets better, and Anzalone keeps getting better. And it really is a great secondary. I think if you look at the, the best teams in the league, they all have good secondary. A lot of them have good secondaries, and they're very deep there. I, I'm not just because of muscle memory, ready to accept that they just have a good defense. Because if they do have a good defense, they they probably should be like the the leader in the NFL for over-under wins in 2019. I have more questions about how Drew Brees played down the stretch than I do about their defense. 40-year-old quarterback who fell apart over the final six weeks. Fell apart is strong. No, he could not throw beyond 30 yards. He fell apart. Hmm. He had some of the worst games of his career down the stretch last year. They also don't have a solid number two wide receiver on the roster at all. I mean, I know Alvin Kamara catches a ton of passes, but it's real thin after Michael Thomas. Like, it, where, what are you doing? It's Eric kind Cook? of amazing okay. how much you trust Sean Payton and Breeze to cook up the right matchups and, Ooh, and great cook. offense. Hey. Cook. Uh, Nailed it. Like it, like it. Wasn't intentional. Bruce Arians uh, <laughs> saved the ship. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, you're right, because other than that, the receiving talent doesn't get you too excited. I mean, Jared Cook is quite an upgrade at tight end. I know you accuse me of being a fanboy, but this guy has been a really good player no, for three, three years now. He's an upgrade. We on NFL Network um, recently we talked about who are the are the Steelers Humble still a powerhouse? Yes, mm. our whole three in uh, three minutes forty four seconds on air. But um, who can you put in marker, Wes? You said like a powerhouse is a team you could put it in magic marker. I'm putting the Saints there, even with these concerns, even with the defense maybe not being up to snuff or Drew Brees not looking good down the stretch. I feel this team is, you know, 12, 13 win C in January. I, I, I prohibitive agree. favorites, prohibitive favorites in that division. Absolutely. It's still a good division. For sure. It's a deep conference. I, I usually don't put this much stock into the kind of intangibles and the mental side of things, but I do, I do wonder about getting over the maybe the worst back-to-back playoff losses that we can Just think lately for, for any team. I was thinking about that too. They, they had Not everything maybe. set up perfect. That is the worst one too. They, they had used this fuel on the other hand. Sure. I don't know. Can go both ways. I don't though. know. Maybe none of this even like matters. Emotional hangover. Maybe that's something we just make up, but I'd be worried. About I don't it. think you can. Uh, the I know the Browns had those two terrible losses to the Broncos in the eighties, but they weren't back to back. When you talk about back to back, and it was at home in New Orleans, like that was the whole thing they had been building towards. Sean Payton might still be in that dark room watching that NFC Championship over and over. I or think that's that stuff. I don't know how you get over it was that. Netflix. That stuff matters much more than we think, but our ability to predict it is much less than we think. True. Well put, Chris Wessling. That's why he's the, the scientist. That's why, yeah, he's the mailman. He delivers. Great insight <laughs> at all times. Uh, finally, the NFC West. Get us going, Connie. All right. Let's start it off with Whoa. the Niners. All right. Jimmy G, he's back from that torn ACL. That what? alone is a huge boost. No disrespect, Nick Mullins and Ouch. CJ Beathard. Um, behind him, another recovered ACL uh, back on the field with Jarek McKinnon. Plus, they brought in Tevin Coleman. And they already have Matt Bereda on the field. So I like the the running backs that they have. And they have the most productive tight end in the league in terms of receiving yards with George Kittle. So I think this team could maybe have one of the biggest turnarounds from last year to this year. Something about that seat over there. Mark Sessler is the biggest 49ers fan really? I know. It's contagious? It is. I be- um, and, Mark and- could be outside Kyle Shanahan's house right now cleaning his car. <laughs> he loves Shanahan and he loves that team. This oh, is a hard. <laughs> this is a hard team to nail down what they're going to be. Their defensive roster, their starting lineup on defense, seems so much better. And that D line now. And if Jason Verrett can play, now you've got two good cornerbacks. But that's a huge if after he's barely played in the last five years. Um, the offense, I just, I, I trust Kyle Shanahan so much. But it's not like anybody in the NFC really got worse. There are no real cupcakes in the NFC, so it's hard to say San Francisco's just going to start knocking teams off with ease. Right. It seems like they're going to play a lot of close games, and they could go 6-10. and 10, They could go 9-7. and seven, Who knows? And right. I know you have Kittle and, and some depth, but your best wide receiver is who? 
It's probably Kittle. Marquise No, Goodwin? a wide receiver. Uh, like Jordan yeah. Matthews, yeah, but Marquise Goodwin. I mean, like right, you're if talking you, pure pass Samuel. catchers. Right, Pettis. Like, if you told me Marquise Goodwin finishes fourth on this team in receiving, that also would it's shock, not a good shock, chart. shock me. So you that, drafted two receivers. Maybe maybe they'll provide a little bit of spark. I wonder if someone, a, wide, a veteran wide receiver, shakes off a tree somewhere if the Niners wouldn't aggressively seek that. I don't think they would because then they'd have to cut one of their young guys who they just drafted in the top I mean, two Jordan Matthews? You can't upgrade over Jordan Matthews? Matthews in 2019. Well, I don't not know. making the team. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be. He's not making the starting. Team. I would put Pettis and Taylor, but it. I. I think this is so. They are the, one of the most fascinating teams this year because they're defensive talent too. Oh, Bo- D. Ford, DeForest Buckner, and then Nick Bosa. Connie's in. That is. It is pretty intriguing. I gotta admit, they they, they stuck with their coordinator, uh, Robert Sala, who's you know not produced too well. Uh, in his first two seasons, like they're going with continuity, and I don't know. I'm excited. and they drafted a punter in the fourth round. That guy's gonna be good. Robbie Gold wants out. You better be a punt. You better be a good punter. And I'm not. I'm not allowed to say this it. in here, but I, I will say it again. Jimmy Garoppolo has never really put together a full season of tape as a franchise quarterback. I'm just gonna say it under this piece of paper. <laughs> Why are you not allowed to say that? Because I know everyone disagrees with me. I actually don't. Know. I mean, it's, fa- it's factually correct. I think you need to come out and really I don't. say it. I've say a, it. Come I've on, Dan. I just want to see him play for no, 16 I'm games. No, I'm with you. I'm going to wait and Throw for like 4,000 yards <laughs> and like 29 touchdowns once. The first three games of last season freaked me out a little bit. He did not play very well. All right, the Seattle Seahawks, Chris Wessling. Oh, I got to talk about them? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me look at my notes here. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yikes. We you haven't made, figured we, out the rotation yet? I mean, we've been we for it, an hour. We made strong it. filibuster. It was a riveting Garoppolo discussion we made it. led by our host. <laughs> what was it? We've made it through like 87 minutes between the two shows, and then finally Wes <laughs> brings it to a halt. <laughs> Feels like John Schneider played this draft like a fiddle. Mm. You know, a week before the draft, he's got four draft picks. He ends up making 11 picks. And yet, when I look at this team – is it crazy to say they're not even going to be as good as last year after losing Frank Clark? They're probably going to lose Doug Baldwin. They go from J.R. Sweezy, who played really well at guard last year, to signing Mike Yapati, who hasn't been healthy in three or four years. Uh, to me, those are three mm. positions where I wonder, are you going to be as good as last year? And I think, you know, they lo- they get rid of Clark, and they're, you know, they take Collier in the first round. But where is the pass rush coming from that's not – manufactured and then they do Carroll does as good a job coaching up team defense as anyone but just the pure talent uh, in terms of the pass rush and even the secondary is not overwhelming Jerron Reed and Puna Ford played great down the stretch from the inside but I agree with the edge rush you're going to ask a lot out of LJ Collier your first round pick speaking of LJ Collier our friend the big fish Evan Silva had this to say about going from Frank uh, Frank Clark to Collier a horrifically suboptimal exchange. Wow. Wow. So the big Whoa. fish has concerns. But I feel like also last year, <laughs> the Seahawks. Sounds like a punk band. Who expected the Seahawks to do as well as they did last year? It was Nobody. supposed to be a rebuilding year for them. Oh, Greg did. When, Greg and Mina Kimes. I had him in the playoffs. Well, Mina has a, like a six, Seahawks tattoo like on her arm. Which is basically what they does were. Does she? She has the Super Bowl. She does, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. How about that? Good for me. I forget what I was saying because now I'm thinking. Well, are they going to let? Are they going to let Russell Wilson throw the ball? I mean, the the memory of that, gonna throw it to? that playoff game haunts me, and I'm not even a Seahawks fan. That they ran every first and second down. It was brutal to watch, and you don't need to give Shotty Ryan ball. Schottenheimer an excuse not to throw the ball. And the fact that their number two wide receiver right now is I don't know DK Metcalf or David Moore. Like that's an excuse to run the ball. A lot. DK Metcalf, who a lot of people, it turns out that know things. Don't like that guy at all. As and a player, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they oh no, he's supposed to be person. a tremendous person. He is and so nice. What a bod! Listen, I'm, this is the sport that we we cover. I hate it. I talked to him at the combine, and then all of a sudden, I'm like so in on DK Metcalf, and everybody who talks bad about him, shut up. And I heard the phone call. It was awesome when Schneider called, and he was crying. I know, and it was very sweet and all that. But the reason he dropped to Seattle is that some people don't think maybe he's going to be a good pro. He better be, or they they they're not gonna they're gonna have a big hole there at wide receiver if Baldwin doesn't he come back. He can stretch the field. He's super fast. He really needs to work on his route running, though. Mm. All right. Arizona Cardinals, of course, Kyler Murray represents 
a new beginning for Arizona after last year's what really ended up being a false start, a very public false start with Josh Rosen and Steve Wilkes, of course. One of the most exciting subplots of this year is now waiting to find out how good Murray is. And I love that Kimebaum, tick, 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 and Cliff Kingsbury, <laughs> they're doing away with all that garbage about whether or not Murray is the week one starter. Yeah, of course he is. He's the week one starter. Spare us the charade. And that's hey, great. I like that. Right. Tried a bit of a charade with there. We're, we're very excited about Brett Hundley. Yeah. Well, okay. Aww. They have to be nice to people. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if Kyler Murray hits the ground running, he could turn the NFC upside down. That's all I have to say. I'll, I'll throw it to you guys. If he is as special as some people believe, we know certain to the Carolina Panthers thinks he, he's a piece of garbage. I mean, as a player. <laughs> right, but, right, But a lot of other teams think this guy is special as hell. And if he is, and that t- this, is a, this is a much better team on paper than it was a year ago, things could change a lot. And NFC West could change quickly. Well, it helps that he fits into uh, Cliff Kingsbury's offense a lot better than Rosen. And you have Christian Kirk was Kyler's teammate at Texas A&M. So maybe that will help a little bit. And I like that they drafted Andy Isabella, super fast guy. So you don't just have Larry Fitzgerald there, which was, I felt like last year, the only guy that was like available on the team. But I love that we have David Johnson Already talking again about another 1,000, 1,000 and 1,000 Free David season. Johnson. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's he's had as good an offseason as anyone because suddenly he's going to have great matchups in the passing game. He, you would think there's less people around the line of scrimmage. He he should be helped out in this offense. I think that's that to me is the question is how air raid does Kingsbury go? People mm-hmm. thinking, okay, this is going to be a brand new NFL. I mean, it's been there. I mean, anyone watched the Chiefs last year? I mean, th- this is the direction the NFL is going. But how, like, wild is he going to take it? How hard is he going to push That's it? true, but this is also a grand experiment. We've never seen something like this before where you hire an unproven guy who got fired by his college team. Yep. <laughs> and then you draft a five foot nine quarterback to fit that guy's offense. Yep. It's something not a lot of franchises would have done. And it's... It's not an untalented team, and that's the thing with the NFL. I was going to say this about the Lions, too. It's like the, the line between six or seven wins and 10 or 11 is not that big. These t- like You look at the Cardinals roster up and down. The offensive line's pretty bad, but there's players. There's players on offense. There's Chandler Jones and Terrell Suggs and Buda Baker and Patrick Peterson and Jordan Hicks. It's like, a lot of questions. There's some player- it's a lot of questions, but there's some players here. It's not like totally talent poor. The offensive line is bad, but having Kyler Murray, who can get out of trouble when things are collapsing, helps. Whereas Rosen, he just got hit 45 times last year. And get into trouble. Right, right, true. It works both ways. Wes, over under Lyre Fitzgerald, 72 and a half catches. I'll go over. I, I'm a Larry believer. He's one of my favorite players of all time. I'm never going to doubt that guy. Mm. Mm. trying to think who that, like, that the harp song, as it starts, reminds me of. Maybe like a Diana Ross type of. It, it has a, thing. there's a Beatles song too that I'm thinking <laughs> of. Um, hey, but a quick pause before we wrap up with the Rams. Uh, one bit of Cardinals news uh, that they reportedly have declined defensive lineman Robert Gimdiche's fifth year option. And, um, to mark the occasion, I'd like to sing a song if you guys don't mind. Yeah, sure. Ricky. Kim Dihiche, why did you fall out that window? It changed your whole life. You fell, we all fell. They no pickup option. You had the option not to stand by that window, but you liked the view Kim Dihiche why did you fall out that window it changed your whole life you fell we all fell down how long did you work on that (laughs) so I was late beautiful beautiful rendition um i felt like there were, it was deep there was a lot of meaning beyond just Some, it was it, it took me to a place when i was writing it it took me to, I, I mean to I that think dorm room i'm starting to complaint yeah could use a little more harp mm. Mm. i'm gonna some harp throw some harp in i'm gonna there. say harp solo this this window incident's five years old you need to let go <laughs> kim dj has tried to put it behind him you won't let him as the song as the song states it changed the course of his life yeah i think everything changed he stood by that window. 
and everything changed. <laughs> For all of us. That's how life works sometimes. It's it's sad and it's scary how your life can totally change based on one decision that seems totally inconsequential. That guy doesn't go falling out that window. Everything could be different. <laughs> the Rams. The Rams, uh, you know, they, they're hoping that everything didn't change on one day, you know, last February. And I feel like mm. that, that's been the mm. vantage point in this, in this room and, and beyond. I don't think everything did change. I mean, they're going to remember that. That's going to be painful forever. But I don't think it changes anything about the fact that they're one of those teams that I'm writing in Magic Marker into the playoffs. That I think they're about as big a favorite to win this division as just about any team is to win any division because I think they're just really solid all the way through. You can't find a huge weakness. And I like how similar to the Saints and the Patriots, they are so deep in the secondary. I think that's a big trend in the NFL right now to have matchup players that can match up one-on-one in, in different, you know, against different formations so that you can deal with the Texas Tech air raid type of stuff so that you can have the right cornerback or safety. And they added, uh, who'd they add this offseason? Eric Weddle. Taylor Rapp and David uh, Long in the draft and then Eric Weddle uh, in free agency to replace Joyner. And I think it's just a good group. I, don't, I do not see weaknesses. It's a young roster overall and I think they're sailing right back into the playoffs I'm guilty of perpetuating that narrative that another people have that Jared Goff is he going to be the same after being completely exposed by Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl you could say that about McVeigh though you could say that about everything McVeigh has proven to be one of the best minds in football Jared Goff has not proven to be one of the best quarterbacks yeah McVeigh would tell you he had a bad day at the office too but Goff in a different way was exposed and then the Todd Gurley thing. You can't what about, sleep on the Todd Gurley biggest, thing. That's my biggest so, thing with this team. It wasn't it, just Goff, though, but yes. I know, I know. But he made some terrible throws in big spots in that game. Could not make a play for them. But I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying when you look at what is the future of the Rams, it do, there is a logical scenario where it's like, yes, that Super Bowl loss kind of ended an era for them. It could also be you could be totally right that they'll again win 11 or 12 games and be another bit hard January out. It's a uh, young team. They get Cooper But it's Cup. fair to ask the question how they how they bounce back from that and I the Gurley injury. The Rams go as Todd Gurley goes. Like, is his knee okay? Is his mind okay? I feel like the C.J. Anderson stuff, when he came in and he went off, I feel like, you know, Todd Gurley, I think that kind of affected him a little bit mentally too. Mm. Hmm. Give the Pats defense some credit. Not that we absolutely litigate. I am not taking anything away from the Patriots. This is around the NFC. Okay, here's what I'm saying: is like they lost, they lost a few (laughs) offensive linemen. I think they replaced them with draft picks. I mean, I think those are question marks. I think in with Coot. With cutback, they they brought back Fowler, which I think was a good move. Overall, I just look at this team, and I actually think they're they're still maybe the best roster in the NFL. Like they they probably no. are. The, they're the team I feel the most safe will be in the playoffs. Them and the Patriots. Will Cup They've be the same so guy? Many, they got so many holes. What? Will Cup be the same Can guy? Clay we'll Matthews be the same guy. play? Who's playing inside linebacker next to Corey Littleton? Can the two? Clay Matthews. Can the two draft picks who's never played in the NFL start on the offensive line? They've got a lot of questions. Is Jared Goff, like, he hasn't had a good game basically since that Chiefs? I think Cup will be fine, by the way. I mean, I feel you see guys come back from ACLs all the time, and losing him was a huge deal. RTH. Right, right. Okay, respect the heart. Fine, fine, fine. Great work, guys. We went around the NFC in 48-ish minutes. (laughs) The the whole 48 minutes tag is Do you really want to know how long we went around the NFC in? Yeah. Because I'll tell you. Uh, we did about five minutes off the top. We're at about 102 now. So I'm not good at math, but you guys can figure it out. It was like 55 <laughs> minutes or something. That's not bad. It's probably right. What did you say? 102 minus five? Yeah, so 57. That's not bad. I mean, the goal was 48. You just put an asterisk next to it. Yeah. Well, the, you got to Free show. How about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That way. How, you got to leave room for some Kendiche. And that one dude. Uh, oh, Kendiche, too. We had yeah. a stop down for Kim Day. That's yeah. worth it. Needed that. Um, and that dude that complained, well, guess what? I guess complaining works out. So there was Sometimes. only one right. guy. That's what my that mom dude. told my mom told me my whole life. The, the squeaky wheel does get greased, and that's what that dude did. Yeah, just that's a great. He's list. squeaking. He got greased. I mean, it might be sending the wrong message to our listeners. Very wrong message. One complaint, guys, could totally <laughs> change your next show. Just just send them along. But here's the thing: people complain all the time. That's true about our show that and everything else. That one got else. through. You never know which one's going to get through. So don't think now that you uh, this is going to open the floodgates. Mm-hmm. Keep complaining if you want, but we're going to ignore almost everything. But this is 
Look at it this way. Well, just send them all to Erica. I was going to say, send, <laughs> yes. the, send them all to me. I'll be happy to deal with Can them. Can we you read parse complaints? Them out? Absolutely. I'll be happy to deal with them. All right, Erica them. and Wes. Okay. We, we could read complaints. Yeah. Maybe that's a nice off-season show. I love Can't that. Can't read them if they're blocked. I want to be here for it. All right. Yeah, that would be a good show. Let's do that. <laughs> Colleen, we're running out of time with you, right? Because the summer Why? Am I Connie... dying? What do you mean? <laughs> no. No, no. The summer of Connie has The box off. is in good condition. The box <laughs> is Can is confirm. Great. Can confirm. Save it yes. for the existentialism podcast. <laughs> the box is sharp around the edges. It's not like some Amazon <laughs> delivery guy throwing it over a fence and all of a sudden there's a dent in it. It is not a mangled box. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyway, when are you starting your vacation time? Uh, now, what do you mean? It already started. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll try to get you in here whenever we can. Great. So we love having you. Awesome. I'm back. I'm back whenever. Erica, you killed it today? Thanks. You killed it last night at softball. You hit, oh, yeah. you hit a major home run. Dan mm. Dan killed it last night. Wes, you did great too, but Dan, he really he, he pulled through when we needed him. He's got that clutch yeah. gene, you know? He, he had the big hit that opened up the floodgates. That was on a script gates. that Tamposi was reading. I turned on a 3-1 pitch and, you know, put one over the left fielder's head. Forget about it. Two outs. Yeah. Two outs, bases. Nice. Or no, two, two runners on, but you got to the, – the, the power hitter has to swing in that situation, not take a walk. When there's two outs and runners in scoring position? I heard Wes, too. I was in the box 3-1. Wes reminded me, hey, don't let this go. If it's, if it's close. close, you mm-hmm. better swing at it. Guess what? Zeuser didn't let it go. He got an RBI mindset. He, hey, the mm. nerds haven't gotten rid of the RBI yet on our team. <laughs> really like, wow. Bochy. Hey, the, the nerds can try, but driving in runners is a skill. Did not expect nice this try, show nerds. to end with the uh, anti-analytic uh, rant. I love yeah. analytics. Just don't be dogmatic about it. Um, all right. We will be back. Uh, three weeks, three shows next week, right? That's right. That's right. Whoa. Uh, so we'll be back. Just on... in time for there to be no news at all. Three exactly. Shows. Let's do it. Monday, we're back. Monday, we are back with another episode of the show. So please uh, tune in for that. Uh, comment uh, and star over on um, iTunes. Send your complaints. Send your complaints to Wes and uh, oh yeah, CC Erica. Just Wes. Just Wes. <laughs> and, please do. Uh, and check out the Around the NFL subreddit. Growing. We're at about 11,000 now, I believe. That's a pretty good number. Uh, and that's it. Let's go. Stan Hans is signing off for the tiny box, forever and always. The mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Till Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.